Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Third Estate Podcast, where we talk about anything finance and whatever else comes to mind. I'm your host, AJ Abarca, along with me, Anton Bullich. And today we have Maddie, uh, a special friend of mine, here to talk a bit about uh, raising children and, you know, preaching and how to give some financial literacy to those you're raising. Anyways, Maddie, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and let the crowd know who you are. Hi, everyone. My name is Maddie. I live in the Seattle area. I have two kids, a girl who's 11 and a boy who is nine that I um, raise them half time. They live with their dad half of the time. So they're kind of getting two doses of being raised by two different parents. And um, their stepdad and I are both in education and um, just excited to be here today. Yeah, excited to have you here. How's the weather over there, by the way, right now? Today, it is a lovely overcast day. I don't know if that is just what was supposed to be this morning or if that is a result of um, post-4th of July fireworks all night long. We live in an area where um, fireworks are allowed for the 4th of July and they go off through like 3 a.m. in the morning. So, wow, I can feel on that. So to to start off, I'm going to, since you are in the education profession, out of a grade, what would you say you've done so far in educating your kids with financial literacy? Mm, Good question. Um, I'm going to give myself a grade on like the elementary teacher scale. So like when you give a grade for, um, you know, math in elementary school, it's not A, B, C, D, and F. It's uh, a three is they've mastered it. Uh, Four is they're like super advanced, like a year above where they should be along the continuum of learning. A two is they're approaching standard and a one is like they're way below the mark. So I would give myself a two, maybe a three. That's what I would say. And do you want me to say the reason why I'd give myself that grade? Yeah, let's okay. let's let's give some rationale. Okay, so I'd give myself a two because I'd say I think when it comes to finances, that's not something that I think we've really intentionally talked about with them. And I think that's pretty common for a lot of parents, especially when you're busy raising young kids. And as they get older, you start thinking like, oh, I should probably talk to them more about like money and smart choices and saving and all of that. So um, now that they're nine and 11 and they're not really super young, um, that's something I want to do more of. But I think we set a good example for them about spending money and saving money. And um, yeah, it's definitely been more of a lead by example than talk explicitly about um, finances at this point. So, well, I think if, if they are, when they're young, if they know that, you know, the value of money and and they don't think it grows on trees and they're that you, at this point, it's like, that's all you can hope for. Cause you know, a lot of these kids, right. As they grow older these days, they just start, they have no sense of what the value is. And so then when they get older, they just spend it. And because they just don't understand, Hey, you got to work for this. There's a finite amount of it. Um, but yeah, no, it's good to hear though. That, I mean, you're still, like you said, you want to keep getting better with it. But um, I had a couple questions kind of before we started talking about the kids. Um, I just wanted to know, so what kind of planning or thought did you put in prior to having them, uh, you know, did, was there any planning that you did financially for yourself? Uh, prior to getting pregnant and having them or uh, like what was going through your mind and maybe not financially, but just the preparation for uh, kind of giving birth and having children? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, So as I mentioned, I um, co-parent my kids. So they, my ex-husband and I have been split up for seven years now. So um, when I was married to him, he uh, actually is, works in finance for Amazon. He's worked for Microsoft. He has a CPA license, like very much a like saver and very like aware of like credit score and all of that. So um, we were very much living the um, 
you know, buy the bare minimum, like spend the bare minimum, save what we can life when we, when we had kids. So I definitely, at that point in my life, I was kind of, um, along for the ride, if you will, with finances. Like he was in the driver's seat. I didn't really know what I was doing. I just would try to not spend a lot of money and, um, let him handle it. So I would say, um, as far as that time goes of preparing for kids, we're definitely thinking about like, can we afford childcare? Cause we're both working, you know, that those were kind of the things on my mind at that point. Um, I wasn't really thinking about saving for college. Um, their dad, uh, grew up pretty, um, like lower socioeconomic spectrum. So paid through, paid for all of his college and found a lot of value of being the one paying for his schooling. And so I think he was always kind of of the mindset of like, they're just going to pay their way through college. Meanwhile, when we divorced and then had to talk about that, there was more of the like, okay, what are we going to do for college? And we came to a little bit more of we'll pay for part of it at least. So anyways, um, but when things were going well and we're having babies, we're planning to get pregnant. It was, let's just make sure we can pay for those now additional expenses that will come up. Not so much the planning part. Um, and let's see. So I kind of spoke about how I didn't really feel in the driver's seat at that point. So then fast forward four years later, my daughter's four, my son is two. We split up. Now I'm (laughs) put into the driver's seat and, uh, that was a more, um, stressful time but made it work again, just trying to not spend money where I didn't have to spend money. That was kind of my, my modus operandi at that time was just, okay, just try to not hemorrhage funds here while you're going through a divorce. Um, and, uh, a benefit of, you know, him being a saver and, you know, thinking about credit scores and all of that is I got out of that relationship and out of that divorce and into my kind of solo financial life with a fairly good credit score. So that was really helpful for like finding places to rent, you know, getting loans for cars if I needed it and all of that. So that was really a big benefit there. But um, yeah. And as um, time went on, my, um, I found, you know, a new partner, we were able to combine finances that made things uh, easier I've changed positions and gotten a raise. And I feel like now at where I am in my life, I'm now thinking more and more about like, okay, I'm not living with a slight margin paycheck to paycheck. Like I'm doing fairly well. How do I want to save? How do I want to invest? And um, I think the big overarching theme though during the whole time was I was never a let me just spend money because I have it. I have it available on my credit card. I was always thinking about like how much money do I actually have. So I was never a like get into a huge amount of debt and then figure it out later person. And I think that definitely served me well. And now I'm moving into the like okay, I have like bills are paid for. We can buy things that we want to, but we're not spending like crazy. Let's start investing and saving some of that excess money and figure out a plan for that so yeah that's good i mean oh sorry aj go ahead to to hop on that real quick i'm just curious because i mean i've i found it with a lot of couples usually um that one of the partners likes to i guess not be in the front seat when it comes to the finances and stuff so curious because i mean it's a great journey that you've had i'm sure you've learned a lot uh what are your thoughts of if you could go back, would you want to be a bit more in the control seat uh, when you first started from your previous marriage and when it came to the kids and stuff like that? I think that would have been really helpful for sure. Um, I think, uh, you know, my my first marriage, we met when we were in high school and he was older. Like we always kind of had that one person a little bit older, understanding more. Um, about things. And so I, uh, I think that, um, I would have liked to have more information to be more knowledgeable, but on the same, at the same time, 
I can't even imagine what that would have been like because it was just so far removed from my actual experience, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It's like he was older. He was the one interested in finance and like saving and money and all that. He would like type up our budget and look at spreadsheets and say, we need to do less here or all there. And he would kind of try to get me into it, but it felt, it didn't feel really like a partnership. And so I was like, yeah, okay, I'll spend less money at Target or whatever. <laughs> okay. But yeah, it would have been nice to, I think, I think my advice or what I wish I would have done from an earlier age in that relationship was have like a shared account for expenses and then like separate accounts for spending, kind of having our own like pockets mm-hmm. of money for spending. Cause I felt very much in that marriage, like um, I just shouldn't spend money on anything. I should, I can buy groceries, but like I shouldn't go like get a new outfit or whatever because it's probably not okay. So I think like having a little bit more separation there, learning what I wanted to do with my money, setting goals for saving, et cetera, would have been nice. But that just wasn't my experience uh, in my, you know, early twenties. So. Well, and when I, cause when I originally asked kind of like, what was the planning beforehand? Um, the reason I asked that is because what I've found, I have a lot of friends right now that are, uh, they either have very young children or they are, they're in the middle of being pregnant. And then I have a couple of friends that are waiting, but they want to, you know, get pregnant soon. And over the years talking to all these different groups, um, you have that balance of, you have people that want, most people today, I think want to have kids. Um, they want to have their children maybe a little bit younger in the sense that they want to be young when the children are young and older also, because they want to be able to do things with them when they become adults and not be old. But the flip side of it is they also don't want to sacrifice career and they, um, they don't have the, the, the money they want to be financially secure before they get into the you know realm of having kids. Cause everybody knows how much, how expensive they are, especially those first five, six years. So there's that balance of, okay, if I wait too long to get myself in the most financially secure place, I'm going to be maybe mid thirties or something and, or late thirties. But then at the same time, if I wait that long, then it goes back to the whole, we want to be young, uh, you know, when they're, when they're older. So that's, it's kind of like that balance. Um, and I think that that can also depend on like where you live, what is the cost of living? You know, I was lucky enough to, um, start having kids in the Seattle area before it became like ridiculously expensive to live here, to buy a home, et cetera. So um, I, if I could sum up in a nutshell, kind of my, my planning, my thought process, it was, I want to have kids um, when I'm younger. I want them to be close in age to like some of their cousins and my husband's brother was having kids, all that. That was much more of a motivator for me personally than like, I need to be perfectly financially secure. And I think it is really wise to, you know, save the money, make sure you're completely in a perfect spot. But I will say we were not in a, you know, perfect spot to have kids, but we definitely always just, kind of made it work, right? Yeah. It worked out with help from family and friends, um, finding childcare that wasn't ridiculously expensive, uh, saving money where we could. Um, so I think it's, in my experience, it was okay not to have like a perfect plan of like, this is how much it's going to cost. This is how much our expen- our other expenses will be. This is how much we're making. This is, you know, I think that's really great, but it did it did work out to be like, we just want to have kids. We weren't like, you know, Oh, we can't afford this, but let's do it anyways. So I think that's one end. Right. And then there's the, like, I want to have every, all my ducks in a row to make sure that I am in a great financial spot before we have kids. I think that's great if you can do it, but I think that's really hard. It's not, yeah. It's not realistic for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, You mentioned childcare expenses now twice. So do I take it that, uh, in the Seattle area that you and your former husband are not your, your, uh, your parents are not in the area to maybe help out with the childcare, uh, 
so much? Are you guys not from Seattle originally? So, Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, a lot of people can leverage that. My uh, personal issue, my parents are in the area. Um, my parents are in their 60s. So they've both been still working for a while. And my my dad has been working full time and my mom has been working part time. But, you know, different parents are going to want to help in different ways. So you can never right. expect that your parents are just going to be the child care. Right. So my mom was more of the I want to be able to like spend a day during the week with my grandkids. I will help out if like they're sick at school and they need to get picked yeah. up. But she didn't want to be like the full time. days. Right. There. Right. Mm-hmm. So I will say, though, that um, over the last year and a half with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. they came through in the clutch. And when we had the kids with us and they're doing online school, my daughter, she's in fifth grade. She was like, I've got this. Everything's organized for me. I'm done with my work for the day. And she was great. She was on it. My son uh, is a little bit more impulsive, a little bit more like. I want to do my preferred activities like play Xbox. So I'm going to do the assignment and it's done. It's not done. He didn't read any directions. So um, my mom ended up being like, we called her like granny nanny. um, And we would pay her to make sure that the kids were doing what they needed to do, that they had lunch, all of that. So that my husband who's teaching, who was teaching from remotely from home full time and myself who my job in education is, I am, I work with teachers to help them use technology in their teaching so that my job was very busy as well, that we were able to both still work full time and the kids were able to get support from my parents. So typically my parents have not provided childcare. Um, We've done, you know, daycare, preschools, like full time when they were really young and then before and after school care on site at their elementary school. But then this last year and a half, my, my parents were really, a big support during that time. So, and what would, what would you say, I would say in the early years and it look, you know, your son's kind of just now getting out of it or maybe has depending on what people consider to be those early years. Uh, what would you say was the biggest struggle from, let's say the age of zero, just born to maybe seven, um, with kids? I mean, cause you had both of them pretty close together. I mean, they weren't just so you know, I'm, I'm 11 months and two days apart from my sister. Mm-hmm. So we are very close. And, Irish twins. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and I've seen, I've worked with kids a lot um, as a tennis coach and I've seen families where they're very spread out. So the parents can kind of leverage older kids helping raise the younger ones. But I've also seen some families where I, I worked with one family that they had four kids, five and younger. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it, uh, so I guess, yeah. What, what would you say was kind of the biggest struggle for you on that? Uh, in general or financially? Um, maybe both. I mean, just, yeah, both. I mean, I think people would be interested in financially. I definitely say it's that paying for a full-time childcare for sure. Like it's a good chunk of change and you're doing it for two kids. Right. So most places, we'll do like a discount for siblings. So it's not just like double the cost, right? But it's still, it's pretty expensive. Um, so that was the biggest struggle financially for that zero to five um, uh, time. And then uh, just in general, I'd say that zero to five age, they just need a lot. Like it's a lot of like really active parenting and being close in age you know, I grew up, I was an only child. I always wanted siblings. So I have my daughter and I'm already thinking like, okay, when are we going to have the second? Because I want to have two to three kids. And um, so then they were born a little over two years apart. And they, uh, they're they a little bit oil and water. Their personalities are very different. So one challenge has been like helping them, um, just kind of also getting to know your kid and how to best support them. Um, my daughter is a lot like me. I understand her really easily. My son, I said, is more impulsive. Like it took us a few years to get an ADHD diagnosis for him to help getting some support for what he needed. So those were just some the biggest challenges I would say of those of those younger years. 
And I'd say zero to five is a good way to kind of categorize that, like before they're in school full time. So, gotcha. gotcha. And then, of course, at those ages, personally in my life, also then going through the transition of a divorce and like new step parents entering the picture and like where are we, you know, are we renting, are we buying, all of those kind of ups and downs and making sure that things are still pretty um, uh, steady for them. So now do you uh, approach kind of different times of the year uh, differently? Uh, What I mean by that is, you know, I was having a conversation just yesterday at the 4th of July pool party that I went to with uh, a mom who has two kids that are one's going into kindergarten. And then the other one I think is going into third grade. And, you know, she's getting, she's gearing up already kind of to going back to school. Right. And then you have different sports programs going on at different times of the year. Is there different aspects of parenting that you've experienced where, you know, maybe different times of the year cost you more money or you have more activities going kind of like, what are you doing to balance that? Yeah, that can definitely be the case. Um, I think figuring out, I'd say from like spring through the summer, there's always the like, what are we going to do next year for childcare? Right? Like, what are we, what's the plan? Like, are we going to do? And it's, and then it's talking with four parents too. It's myself, my husband, my ex-husband and his wife, like figuring out what are we doing? What are you doing with your, what is my ex-wife going to, not my ex-wife, sorry. (laughs) What is my ex's wife? What does she want to do with her son that also works for our two kids? Right? So that's definitely like some juggling and there's some finances in there. Um, My daughter plays soccer, select soccer. So it's a little bit longer than a typical season and more, more expensive than rec soccer as well. Um, But I'd say in general, the finances around activities kind of stay pretty solid throughout the year. Um, I also, my, um, my ex and I keep track of what we've spent for sports and other things like that. And about every six months we'll um, put in a spreadsheet, like what we've spent, figure out our percentages of what we need to pay each other back for and, and do things that way. So I also save some money to be ready for that check to get sent out to him to pay my, my portion of things. Um, and that's work that's been, you know, the norm for a few years now and it, it works pretty well for us. So. Do you mind if I ask what, because uh, I've I played a lot of competitive sports and I know AJ has as well, specifically soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, how much is, is competitive soccer costing mm-hmm. these days, especially like in the Seattle area? Because, yeah, people talk about how these more year-round sports for competitive for kids now is just, it's it's climbed. Yeah, and I'm, so. I'm just learning some of it as well, right? My daughter's been in select soccer for three years. This is her third year. And last year was like the weirdest year ever because it was, we have select soccer, but we can't practice. So they were doing zoom meetings for like a mm. month and they were practicing, but they were in like groups of four and they couldn't interact with the other group of four just for like contact tracing things. And then the season was supposed to be over in December, but They still had fields that they could keep using and some scrimmages they set up. So it kind of extended into March. So it was a weird season, but um, I'm still learning about all that. But so the kind of levels are rec, then select, then premier. So premier is like the year round, like you are playing soccer. That's all you're playing. You're traveling to other states to do tournaments and such. Select is still generally kind of, you know, June through December for soccer. Whereas rec is like late August through November. Right. So it's a lot purely fall. fall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, we spend, uh, it's, it ups a little bit each year. You, you, you pay the amount for like to the league, which is normally about 600 to $700 flat. Like that's the fee for the year. And then, um, collecting team funds just for like tournament entries is normally around 175 extra dollars. And some of that gets refunded if it doesn't get spended through the team funds as well. So I consider that to be like a reasonable amount of money to spend. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you get into Premier, I think yeah. you're spending Thousands. at least 1500 if not more, yeah. for like the starting yeah. fees would be my guess. And then you're paying for transportation and all that stuff. So. 
Yeah, but that's when true. you're premier, you're also putting an investment in your your kids very likely getting a college scholarship to play soccer and not have to um spend as much money on college funds in the future. So there's that aspect as well. Well, so going into that, I'm I'm curious, uh my we've we've talked a bit about, you know, education for the kids and stuff. Have you you earlier mentioned that your your uh former husband wasn't really into the idea of saving for college, at least I'm assuming like a 529 account Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Is that something you have considered now uh, and working on now? Or just curious on your thoughts of how are you thinking of preparing for the future? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm currently in the like thinking about it phase right now. I mentioned before kind of that transition from, you know, okay, like, bills are getting paid on time. We have some money to spend on things to now, like we have some excess money. Let's start to invest that. Let's start to look at different ideas for college and for saving money for them. So I'm definitely in the, just like open to thinking about the different options. You say five to nine. And I'm like, that sounds like something I've heard of before, but I don't know what it actually is. Yeah, it's, uh... no, but it's something where it was like this summer thinking we should start talking to someone, looking into different options, things that we can do. So it's like on the radar, but decisions being made yet, not yet. So, Yeah. And so that, I mean, to answer that question, at least, so a 529 is a specific uh, type of account. So think of similar to a savings or a brokerage account that's intended for higher education uh, tuition or or needs, uh, education expenses, let's say that. Right. So most of the time you'll find it that a lot of parents and it's not just parents, it's uh, you can have grandparents contribute to it. You can it can be a niece, nephew, uncle, kind of aunt situation um, where you'll have a, a typical specific beneficiary. So let's say it's your oldest daughter um, and you just contribute. You can have it invested into any sort of funds. Uh, most commonly, you typically find or is similar to retirement target date funds. It's just it's a college age specific fund of, hey, my mm-hmm. son or daughter is going to expected to be in college at the age of 18. Right. So we're going to go at the 2030 or something like that, um, which uh, then it will within itself. And then the idea is you use, you th- you have the contributions, but the distributions, if you're using it for within the IRS guidelines, those distributions are tax-free. Okay. So it's a, it's a way that a lot of individuals pay for tuition, books, room and board, right? If it's related to higher education expenses and it's permitted by the IRS because they're the ones who are making sure that is it taxed or if it's not taxable, um, and that's just one of the many routes that we can go into. Um, but yeah, there each has a state uh, 529 plan. So there's one in California. There's one in Alaska. There are states, I'll say, that do provide some incentives. If you go within a state 529 plan, uh, within your specific case in the state of Washington, I believe there isn't uh, just because mm-hmm. I've worked there previously and we were going outside of other states like Alaska. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that, not to promote Alaska's 529 program, but to say that you, depending on what state you live in, you definitely want to see if there's some sort of extra incentive um, for going within the state 529 plan. Gotcha. Like it might be an option that you consider uh, more highly than some of the other non-state specific funds. Correct. Yeah. It's just, and I think one of the reasons being is uh, you can think of a state like Washington state at the, at this moment, right? There's no income tax. So you just follow your, your federal taxes uh, in April. So I think that's part of the reason why there isn't much of an incentive there, but there may, there are other states that I'm pretty aware of that do offer some sort of potential benefit or tax incentive. Yeah. And and to piggyback on what AJ just said about the 529, if let's say you have multiple children, right? And um, let's say the 529 plan for the oldest child, they don't end up using all of the monies in that account. You can move it over to use for the other child. So Okay. So for instance, in in my case, let's say my 
daughter does get a substantial soccer scholarship, but my son is just like, you know, a rec player. He never gets into it. Right. That those funds could be then moved into his account to use for, for his schooling. Yeah. You basically change the beneficiary. Once you decide your oldest uh, no longer needs it, you can change it. I mean, you could even use it for yourself if you wanted to, and say you wanted to go to a local college and just audit some courses. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure if you pay for auditing courses. Oh, I believe so. Right. College education. It depends on the college. <laughs> yeah. Some- but yeah, like there's, yeah. there's no, there's no restrictions on who the beneficiary can yeah. be. You're allowed to change it. And there are strategies, which we could take a lot of time going into that deal with, you know, estate planning and multi-generational planning of, Hey, you're a parent, you want to have grandkids and you want to start saving for those grandkids and their college education and just continue right. the multi-generation of uh, having all of the kids in your family uh, and future generations, their college education or what have you is, is taken care of. Yeah, Be- Because there's a lot of people that, um, let's say, you know, you mentioned that originally, you know, the plan was, okay, the kids they're going to have to pay for their own college the way daddy did it. Right. So, you know, and that's, and that, that was very much common back in the day. It was way more of a, a common thing. Now people there's, it's still, I would say a common thing, but there's been a slight movement more towards parents helping and um, some parents, it's all to scale, right? Some parents want to help and pay for everything. They, they don't want to have their children starting out their careers professionally with any college debt. So when they, when it comes to that, if you have multiple children, it's going to be very hard to save enough money in one five, two, nine plan to account to pay for two children's college. Uh, now if there's great returns and let's say they go to colleges that are very, very cheap, it might be doable, but, um, it's very tough. So then in those situations, some of those parents, uh, they'll set up individual 529 accounts for each child. But if you're in a situation where, okay, we either can't afford to do that or we don't even, we don't want to because we also want to have the kids have a little bit of skin in the game where they earn it by either a scholarship, by their hard work, or they at least have to half, you know, contribute half. Let's say we're paying half, kids paying half then what they'll do is kind of what we just talked about is they'll do one 529 account for uh, both kids. It's kind of like one pot of money and they just start, it starts off with maybe the older child um, and maybe they get access to it for their first two years of college. And then, you know, the next two years it's like, all right, you're paying for your, you know, college, junior, senior year, whatever. I mean, there's different things. Like AJ said, there's different strategies and, it, is there a cap on the amount of funds that can be saved in a 529? Does that vary by state or? Uh, there is. Uh, I do not know the cap off the top of my head. I will look it up. I but think there is, one. there is, but it's very high. Okay. Um, yeah. it's, it's very high from my, from my understanding. But the idea is, like I said, you could, uh, if in your specific circumstance, if there are multiple beneficiaries, you have the ability to open different accounts for different beneficiaries, but then you also have the ability of changing the beneficiary later on, right? As I mentioned. So you uh, could you could have, you know, like daughter has one account, son has another, but then later make both accounts have the son be the beneficiary or vice versa. It's not like each right. kid can have one account either. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Correct. Any other um, like common uh, savings options that people do for for college for besides the five two nine plans? Yeah, I mean it. It kind of depends on the different circumstances, and uh, you know, previously what we've done, and this is a strategy. I'm not sure if it's too common, but there have been times where. If the individual, the beneficiary, sorry, if the beneficiary, let's say, is going into college this year, right? We're in, we're in June and school is actually starting in September. How can we best utilize that? There have been times where 
I've taken advantage of using municipal bonds because it's such a short time frame uh, versus going full direct into a 529 plan. Now with municipal bonds, the taxation is a bit different, right? Um, depending on the, again, depending on the state you live in, again, everything comes down to tax. So if, uh, anyone listening to this, make sure you're aware of your taxable situation in the state that you live in. But uh, one of the things that municipal bonds offers is the, the income, the interest that you're earning is typically uh, tax-free, depending on the type of municipal bonds, I should say. Uh, but from what we sound. And so what you do is it's kind of, you know, the distributions of a 529 that's tax-free if it's for the same college expenses. The idea here is if it's a, such a short time frame and the 529 plan itself only has uh, a specific, it's like a qualified plan, right? Most qualified plans or uh, 401ks, they'll have a mutual fund list and say, okay, these are the funds that you can invest in. Similar to that with the 529 plan, so if you find out that your 529 plan doesn't offer any sort of investment options that you find beneficial, especially in that short term, really you're just putting money away and it's not going to be yielding much, right? Uh, that's an avenue to go. I mean, one of the things with everything else, right, the the sooner or the earlier you start, the better. And it kind of comes down with that, with uh, which I was going to segue into here later on, but, you know, teaching your kids about finances and stuff like that, the the sooner you start now, obviously they need to be coherent and have the ability to understand, but it is one of those things that, you know, uh, the longer duration that they have, the longer duration your investment has to mature, grow, potentially grow, the better off you are, right? Just history has shown us that. Um, uh, go ahead, Anton. I was just going to say, uh, one other vehicle that I'd seen used, um, that is pretty popular with minor children is UTMA accounts, the uniform transfer to minors. Um, and that account, uh, you know, is that one's a little bit more, I would say flexible in the use of funds because mainly that's used so that minors can receive gifts. Um, so, but the difference between one of the big differences, there's multiple differences, but one of the big differences with this is the the beneficiary can't be changed. So that's it's considered basically this money is now theirs. And it's basically a placeholder until they be they reach the age of maturity, which depending on the state, it can be 18 or 21. Um, and this the difference on this account is the taxable benefits aren't as uh, I would say clean to both parties, the giver and the receiver um, as the 529 account. Um, because, but you, it is more flexible. You're not forced to use it for educational expenses. So yeah. let's say the UTMA account that the child has this account. If let's say all of the money doesn't get used on uh, college expenses, um, or if any of it, let's say like you mentioned a scholarship earlier, um, they can then use it once they again get old enough to uh, buy a house or, you know, it's, it becomes theirs. Um, so that's another one. But I would say the, the 529 is the more popular just because of the tax benefits to both. Because I know that there's some tax implications um, while the child, I think, is, is a minor um, there are some consequences, um, I think, to the uh, the giver. Um, I haven't had to work on a UTMA account in a long time, um, so. But. And to, Maddie, to answer your earlier question, so the maximum contribution for every state's five two nine plan per beneficiary is two hundred thirty five thousand per beneficiary, but then when when you're talking about contributions per year, uh. There aren't really other than the gift tax considerations. So this applies not just to a 529 plants plan, excuse me. This just applies to gifting in general. So according to the IRS, you as an individual can gift per in, uh, beneficiary 15000 per year. Um, but let's say you and your current husband combined can each 15000 So that's a total of 30000 per year, right? But that's per individual. 
right? That's not saying, okay, well, now you have 15,000 for one child, another 15,000 for one, another child. And then you also have your spouse. Then you have the grandparents. There are additional rules of you can do a one-time lump sum. Um, again, it all really just depends on the individual circumstance and what it is they're trying to achieve. If it's higher education, then yes, the typical 529 plan route is is the most common to go to. Yeah. Yeah. And there's gifting rules with the UTMAs as well. And, and I've seen people do that where, um, people, like you said about the grandparents, they, you know, they're, they're wanting to give a gift basically to the family and, you know, they, cause they want it to benefit obviously their children, but also the grandchildren and they, they give it, the grandparents take advantage of those gifting rules and put it into the, the, the college expenses. Cause at the end of the day, right. You're going to have to pay, you know, whatever it is you're planning on paying for those higher education expenses. So a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. So, you know, being efficient there. Um, do you have any questions for us on, I know we. Um, well, I just find it interesting. Um, I think because I'm not the like, you know, a finance person who knows like, UTMA, 529, the state, that state, et cetera. I, I find it really interesting to think about um, like which families save for college, what makes it easier for some families and harder for others. And I think about my own uh, circumstance growing up in that, you know, my mom went to like a year or two of college, didn't graduate. My dad didn't go to college. Like, I was probably one of the first in my family to graduate from college and do some masters and all of that. Um, and, um, but it wasn't this, like, you're going to go to college and like become a doctor either. Like it wasn't this, you must have a high yield on your investment. I went to school and majored in Spanish and then I went and did my post back to, um, get my teaching certificate. So then I was a teacher. I had a very stable job that college helped me to get, right? So I just find it interesting. I wonder if a lot of families who do from the beginning start the 529 plan or start saving for childcare or whatever, if that's something that typically was done for them or was very important in their family. I wonder if my own like, oh, we'll figure it out and I'll start saving money now when they're nine and 11 is kind of because of some of my, you know, my own personal history and upbringing. And I'm curious um, if people that you work with who have those 529 plans are, um, if that's something that is just expected in their family because that's what was done for them. I think it's a range to be completely honest. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've gotten recently which is kind of strange i've gotten uh, gotten a lot of new aunts and uncles who have been reaching mm-hmm. out saying hey uh my nephew was just born like just born is there anything i can do to help benefit them and you know it does depend on the circumstance because if you you're if you're in a situation right where you can actually contribute to that uh of course starting early at age zero you know, that's that's great in the long term because then you have 18 years if you're just doing 100 bucks a month or what have you. So, um, no, and I would agree there is some validity to, you know, the type of upbringing. And, but it also comes down to some of the financial literacy of if you, you don't know what you don't know. And if you don't know there's something out there to do something like that, right, how are you, how are you to know and maybe take advantage of those potential benefits? Yeah, I've had – I would say – um, like you just said, there's a range. I mean, if you have people that are making a lot of money, right. And they just, and like, maybe they're not even making a lot of money, but they keep their expenses so low that they have a huge mm-hmm. amount of savings. Um, I've seen people, they start saving for college first year that the kid is born. Right. Mm-hmm. But I, I would say more commonly that I've come across and, and whether it's people I've worked with or just people that I know. Right. Um, I would say the first maybe five years, six years, it's, uh, it's focus on childcare expenses. Cause it's just, they are just burning through cash. And then once they kind of get into kindergarten, first grade, it's, it's, and it also, you know, right. It's like, that's the first year they're in school. So then people start thinking, okay, 
kindergarten, first grade on through high school, college. And that's when they're like, okay, college is going to be here sooner rather than later. Let's start saving. So that's when you'll really see the, the five two like whether it's a five two nine or any other account, that college savings really start to pick up. Um, but, but it's also relative to how much you plan on saving, right? Because it's really easy to play catch up if your plan is to say to the kid, hey, I will pay for your tuition only or 50% or, and you're going to be going to a state school or just a cheaper or maybe JC first. Right. And then, um, so it just, yeah, it, it kind of, it's all relative. And, and I think people do, do what they can. Um, but it ties back to the balance and trying to figure out, I, I guess, being smart with expenses and savings, but, not overdoing it. Um, and it's all about balance, right? I think about how, um, you know, growing up, my, my dad worked, my mom worked part-time and we didn't go on like a ton of vacations, right? We would go camping or whatever for the summer. Um, and I think for my husband and myself, it's, we, we put a high value on travel. Like that's an expense that we're not just going to save and wait until uh until we're retired to travel right and we do want to bring kids our kids on some of those trips as well so i don't feel like i'm wasting some money that could be saved towards college if i'm bringing them on a trip somewhere so you know yeah it's about what you value and there are people who are i'm sure who are like every single thing that i can you know, save for my kids for their education, I should do at the expense of any of those experiences. And that's just a different value system, right? You're mentioning, so. oh, I, when you talked earlier, Anton, about um, a lot of people, like when the kids get into elementary school, starting to think about college and saving for that, that was very validating. Thank you. Yeah. No, <laughs> it's, it's just me that's like, yeah. I can only worry about childcare expenses right now. I can't be saving yeah. like those early years, that's the thing is yeah. it's such a chunk of change and it feels like you're paying for college tuition already with how much it is. So yeah, it's just chaos. I mean, the first five years I've just heard stories. It's, it's, um, and I can't speak from experience, right? It's just, just mm-hmm. from people that I've talked to. Um, I guess one, uh, one question I did have is, do you plan on having your kids starting to work when they get into high school, you know, getting that job at Starbucks or, I don't know, like babysitting or I don't, you know, whatever, mowing lawns or anything like that. Or I think so. I, I can guess that my daughter is going to be like, I'm ready to find a job because I want to have my own money that I like manage and am in control of. So I could see her being motivated to do that. Um, I could see us, you know, I haven't thought through like, what are my expectations and rules going to be when they are like 15, 16, 17, right? I'm not in that stage yet of parenting. Right. Thank God. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, thinking about, you know, if we have a older used car, who's paying for the insurance? Who's paying for the gas? Are we just saying like, do these chores and it's covered? Or do we say you need to make the money for that? However you make it, whether it's a steady job or, you know, some teenage gig work. Right. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. Yeah. We're just starting to get into that kind of concept because for so long it's been, we're paying for childcare, we're paying for activities, right? Like those are the things we're paying for, but now we're getting to, my daughter will be in middle school next year. Are we going to get her a phone? Who's going to pay for the phone plan? Is it going to be on ours or is it going to be on my ex-husband's? You say no to phone. No to make, phone. Her earn it. make her earn it. Does okay. she do chores? Do your kids yeah, do chores? chores. Yeah. Do they earn an allowance and stuff like that? Yeah. That's also one thing we've not been good at. Cause like, both everyone in the house, everyone in our house has ADHD. So it's, it's a little crazy. Sometimes I have ADHD. My, their stepdad has it. Both my kids have it. So we'll be like, yeah, we'll pay you, you know, to do the laundry. We'll pay you like this amount a week for the laundry. And then my daughter will be like, so how much money do I have saved up for like doing all this laundry? And we're like, I don't know. I didn't track anything. (laughs) <laughs> we need an audit. We need an audit. I'm a on horrible this mother. It's yeah. fine. I'm good in other areas. Well, I mean, one of the ways I'm just providing a solution that 
could help yeah, and even help them on their end learning more about that money is actually setting up an account for them, which you can. I've been as a thinking that custodian. like literally this last week has been the, how much money do I have? And both Matt and I being like, uh, I don't know. So I think it's time to just have a conversation of like, what do the three of us think is a fair starting amount? And then yeah, opening a, a, an account for that to actually be tracked and transferring money every week. So then it's not this vague nebulous yeah, allowance. I mean, and then they, it. then they learn, right? Like how to track saving, track spending, exactly. you know, depending on the type of accounts you get them, they can actually see their account grow, right? Maybe you yeah. do part savings account or checking account part brokerage account and say, Hey, I mean, I'll be honest, my, for those who are not aware of my history, that's how I learned actually about investing. My dad asked me, Hey, what do you, my brother and I, what do you guys want to invest in? And I don't know, at the time I was was kind of an expectation of like, you're going to invest, what do you want to invest in? And you were really I was really into the, the, the Nintendo 64. So I was like, all right, give me a Nintendo. My brother was really into uh, to Marvel. So he invested. It was Marvel at the time, its own entity. So we went that way. Marvel now became part of Disney. So my brother, I don't know what he's done with his shares, of course. But, you know, this is pre-Wii. So anyone who's familiar with Nintendo pre-Wii, when Wii came out, the stock, the share price blew up. So when I finally looked at the account, I'm like, holy crap, like, I just made a bunch of money. I didn't do anything. Just say Nintendo because I like Nintendo. And that actually initiated my interest into the field of saying, well, how can I do more of this? More of just sitting on my ass and figuring out how to make money without really doing anything. Uh, I have a question for you guys. What's your, I have, I want to know your opinion about, um, and this is, this is kind of more like myself than kids, but I just have a question. So I mentioned like, intentionally saving being newer for me. Like the idea of like, I'm going to take $700 out of my checking account and save it every month is still a little bit of like, Oh, what if I need it? Like I still have that kind of feeling sometimes. So I've been using um, the digit app, which is like a savings app where you, um, you know, connect it to your checking account. And like every day it'll just take out like Maybe one day it'll take out like $5 and another day it'll take out 50 and you can set the limit of how much it takes out, a limit of how much needs to be in your checking account and then it needs to stop taking money out. And that's been working well for me, I think because of my like anxiety around actually doing it myself and then also the like ADHD of like I can't manage (laughs) to have it, uh, you know, set up perfectly and I'm just curious what your thoughts are on apps like that or apps like Acorn that like round up and and save that as well. Oh, I definitely think they have helped society as a whole in regards to building that, right? Um, I believe Acorn, because Acorn is the one where it takes, it rounds out your your credit card spending, right? Yeah, Um, it does like you spend 11 99, it's going to bump it to $12. And if you spend 1101, it's going to bump it to $12, right? Just kind of even the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that helps in regards to getting boosting awareness. Let's say that boosting awareness. Now, what people do with the money that they quote unquote save through these apps, that's, that's a whole nother ordeal. Uh, I mean, you have things like Mint, who I think that one you integrate all your accounts, it shows you where your spending's right. A lot of banks are doing that now to to try to help and boost awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with a lot of topics, not just finance, that's where it really needs to start is that awareness and acknowledgement of, okay, this is how my money needs to be set. Doing something that helps uh, in regards to your finances, automate the process of, okay, you're paid X amount. X amount is going to your 401k, right? If you think about it, that is why it's done. And so most people, when they're just like, oh, it just comes out of my paycheck, I don't see it and my 401k is growing. That's It's been great, right? Research has shown that's very beneficial. So doing that when it comes to saving and investing and stuff like that, I mean, if you can automate it, it's kind of that out of sight, out of mind, you'll, you'll, Learn how to deal with it. Learn how to deal with the minus $100 a paycheck, $700 a paycheck and adjust. Uh, I think it's beneficial. It's just really what you do, the steps following with those funds and assets that is also important. So awareness is good, but 
action is also necessary. Yeah. So awareness is I, good. Saving some money is better than saving no money. But if you then take that savings and just spend it on right. some, like, not really something you didn't really plan for, but you're just like, oh, I have this money here. Let me do it. Yeah. Well, Irresponsibly, so, right? Like, sometimes you need to spend it then, yeah, yeah. by all yeah. means, but also have a plan to replenish it. Right. I'll, I, speaking to what AJ just said, I think this is actually pretty big because I think if you think about most people, they have their expenses on auto pay, but they have the savings portion of their life be manual, right? And mm-hmm. for for someone like myself or AJ, that's fine because we that's like at the forefront of our mind at all times. Save, save, save. For the most part, AJ's maybe a little bit less, but it's if you flip that around, right? is I think if you flip that around, it's that's what would be better for a lot of people because if they had to manually go out and pay their expenses, they would be far more conscious of what is going out the door and what they're spending money on. And it might make them take a step back and say, wow, I am spending so much per month on X, Y, and Z. And I really don't need to be spending this over here. Or if I I need to spend it, I, I shouldn't be spending as much. And, um, and so at the same time, if they can automate their savings, that'd be, that'd be awesome. Um, I guess I have two questions that I want to end with. Um, well, let's I would let say Maddie Matt- end with any of her questions. Okay. So Maddie, okay. This you, is, yeah, this is her time you end. being the guest. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, I'm fine with, with Antone's questions. I, I feel like I've asked a lot of what I want to ask and I have some more information about like next steps to go forward of like, okay, I'm actually, we need to actually do this and like get something started. Right. But so yeah, go ahead, Anton. Um, I would say what is, so the first question is, is there anything, and I don't, I mean, regret might not be the right word, but is there anything like, is there, if there was one thing that you could change uh, just maybe it's not a regret. It's just, you know, from experience of knowing more now, if there was one thing when it comes to raising kids, your children, uh, what would be one thing that you, if you could go back in time, you would change it because you now know that this was a, this is a better way to do it. Um, and while you're thinking about that, uh, my other question is you mentioned earlier, and this is a little bit personal. So if you want to uh, maybe not answer it, or if you want to you know keep it very general, you mentioned that you have your new husband, your partner and uh, your ex-husband and his wife, and you guys have to balance the he's communication not new. He's there. Current, FYI, <laughs> it's not brand new. He means, he means second. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, second. Second, and he, yeah. current, hopefully last. Yes. So, but there's basically four four parents involved, right? And I have several friends that are in these different dynamics of, you know, it's it's more than just two parents involved in the raising of the children. And, and you mentioned balancing that communication. Uh, what, what has that been like? Like, what do you do to, um, to uh, make that work and make it efficient? Because we, we all know of stories of people where it's not efficient, it's not working. Um, or that, you know, I think that is something that is huge for, you know, just the children's well-being, not just financially, right? So, yeah, if you could speak to that. But, yeah, what would you change and how do you balance that? Sure. So first question, uh, financially, I'd probably would have just started saving earlier, even something like digit really early on and saying like, here's like, you know, daughter's fund, son's fund. And my goal is to save like $10,000 to just put in there. Right. That would have been great to just start with that, to get that ball rolling. So that's what I would have done differently financially. Um, Something that I know now as a parent generally that I wish all parents would do, and I don't think I really started this way, but I did get there pretty early on and I'm happy for it, um, is I think a lot of parents feel that they need to show that they are in control at all times as a parent, right? I can't show any like weakness or like I made a mistake or anything like that to my kids. And I think the sooner you learn, even probably when they're like, I'm trying to think it's, you know, they're nine and 11 now. So I'm like, I think around two, you start having like conversations, right? But as a parent, apologize to your kids when you mess up. It doesn't show you as weak. It shows you as human and it models like being a good person. So that's my like number one tip that I give people. Like when my husband and I were coming back from Mexico City, 
last week we were on a trip there or next to a random guy on a plane with a two-year-old and he's like oh you're both like teachers you have kids what's your parenting advice apologize to your kids when you mess up so that's my my parenting advice um and then as far as like finances and co-parenting um we are really lucky to have a super uh like a good working relationship. We are not the like, you know, uh, beautiful blended family where we have like Christmas and Thanksgiving all together, right? Like some people have that where it's like mm. everyone's together on the holidays. That's not what we have, but we have a really good like baseline of respect for each other. So um, things that we do, we have like a group, uh, you know, messenger thread, whether you use like Facebook messenger, WhatsApp, text, what have you, just having a group thread where you can easily send like questions and check in about things I think is really important. Um, we send like more kind of official things or things that have more information attached via email. Um, and we just try to always include everyone, all four of us on that. There's very, it's very rare that I reach out just to my ex-husband It's typically everyone's involved in that unless there's something where there's some type of like conflict or big disagreement mm -hmm. or I don't agree about this interpretation of the parenting plan then it's like just it's the two myself of you. And my ex um but I would say uh have in mind like don't don't blow up small things into big things like shrug off what you can. Um, it's better to be, it feels better. It actually feels better in the long run to be the bigger person than to go low. So try to do that as much as you can. Like don't let uh, someone else's behavior that triggers you or makes you upset, change who you are and who you want to be. Um, and yeah, just stay focused on how will this affect the kids right? And I'm lucky. Some people have ex-spouses who, um, you know, are just really trying to like push their buttons constantly. And we don't have that. That's very, that's very nice. Um, I like how we have things set up with finances of, you know, just every few months checking in, what have you spent? Let's share spreadsheets and, um, and cut each other a check um, for the amount that's owed. And, yeah, just make sure you start with a good parenting plan as well and try to have things as clear as you can. I know a lot of people who try to do things without lawyers at all, but at least having a lawyer look things over, make sure you're not forgetting anything is really beneficial just to set you up in a, for a good situation going forward. So Nice. Yeah, yeah, I guess to AJ's, if you have a question for us to wrap up. Um, or if Happy to answer it. Yeah. You know, I think I just, yeah, wanted information about like what are kind of the typical ways that people do save. And now I'm thinking, okay, like now it's time for us to like contact a financial advisor, like share, get all of our information shared, look at like the best ways that we can save. And that's probably my next step. Is that what you guys would think would be a good next step? Well, yeah. I mean, we've, we've covered, right. And I think the best thing you've even been doing right now is trying to model good financial behavior to your kids, mm -hmm. right? And we're talking about working with the kids. And next, I would say, again, it's never too early to start, whether it's college planning or just boosting their awareness. I would definitely consider creating accounts for them. You're already having them earn money with chores and stuff and just giving them an opportunity to really see what it's like you know, actually physically saving that money into an account, potentially growing it, what the spending decisions that they make, hey, you want to buy the next latest Xbox? Well, guess what? You can't afford it yet. <laughs> right? If you want to do that, you're gonna be doing a whole lot more chores. I had to do that growing up. Right? And we really did do that out. with my with my son. He um he got an Xbox for his birthday and night one, he was trying to play it when he wasn't supposed to. So he lost that until he could earn back the money for it. So we had it like every day he was earning it with like good behavior, but we really tracked like, this is the dollar amount you're at until we get to mm -hmm. <laughs> how much the Xbox got. Gotcha. So definitely use those at different times. They definitely, and we also will talk with them 
about money and say, mm-hmm. like, when we hear those misconceptions of like money just grows on trees, like this thing is fine. This is probably not that expensive, right? We'll be like, no, like this is how much it costs. This is how much we make every month. So it's this portion, you know, we, we have those kind of general conversations with them. So, but I like, yeah, it sounds like next steps for us are, you know, figuring out like kind of kids checking savings accounts. I know some banks will do things where like the parents can automate how much money goes in and it's specifically for, for kids. Um, so we'll look into that and then also look into just talking with a financial advisor about the specific college funds yeah. and our options with that. And I'm feeling in a good place to do that with being in that place where it doesn't, um, it doesn't feel like, I think sometimes for some people, a hurdle for saving for college is feeling like they're barely like meeting their expenses every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so knowing that's not as much of a hurdle anymore, it's time to get more serious about saving. So, And a big and thing, I like I said, is, is automation. If you can mm-hmm. automate it, even yeah. if it's five bucks, yeah, right? Yeah. Eventually you get to the point of, okay, I can adjust, right? Yeah. Exactly. There, automation will never hurt you when it comes to saving. It'll hurt you maybe with expenses, but not with saving. Um, I would say the one thing I would just end with um as far as with kids is uh, make sure you keep the training wheels on because there's a lot of kids where they get, you save money and you give them an account and they just, they'll go and spend it because a lot of these kids, even if you've had the talk with them, Hey, money doesn't grow on trees. They just, you got to make sure I think for most people and that kids are all different. I did not need this, but my sister definitely did. You, they will spend the money if you let them. And so I have stories of that. Um, so I would say that's a big key for parents that when you, if you do decide to open an account for them, make sure you, uh, you do that. And uh, yeah, so. Well, on that anyway. note, until next time, everyone. The opinions expressed in this podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional.